0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Castings the Fire Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And we are on to Rings of Power Episode 5, Partings, is the title. Um, It opens up on Nori and the stranger who fell from the meteor are talking, and they're in... Like this beautiful grass line that really reminds me of like grassy dunes by the beach, but they're not by a beach, they're in some kind of a mountainous region. But it's got a very seagrass looking aesthetic. And uh, Nori has like some kind of like cotton grass thing in her hair. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, I'm like, can I cosplay this? Like, put on a peasant shirt and stick some burrs in my hair and go feral hobbit and. Uh, anyway, she's teaching him, uh, the words for migration and, uh, explaining the perils they'll meet along the way, and he doesn't understand what perils are, so she describes various dangers, works, big folk, trolls, yeah, she just, uh, lumped men in with, uh, yeah.
1: She, she I always noted that how she lumped uh she lumped humans in with uh with cave trolls and things like that and I even asked is that but I, I guess when you're a hobbit when
0: you're a hobbit and uh, when, uh look at all these tall people with weapons there yeah exactly and the stranger says he is a peril she's and she's like well First off, after she describes all she, these dangers, he's like, they are things that kill you. And he's like, kill? And he's she's like, make things dead. And he's like, he's peril because of the fireflies that died and whatever he was magically trying to get them into formation. And she's like, no, that was an accident. He's good. He helps. And he seems kind of reassured by that. And you can see hobbits gathering grasses and camouflaging their carts and um, which one I think sadok has like a hat out of the grasses so you can see they're camouflaging themselves and their carts with the stuff from their different environments I think they're
1: very clearly doing that they're clearly doing all this to camouflage themselves and
0: And I think that this is contributing to the fey like reputation that hobbits have toward the big folk yeah. Like oh this this little person just disappeared. Yeah, uh, and then
1: there was like oh uh, if they see like the silhouette of like a wolf or something.
0: And like, it's and it's a hobbit with a grass hat on, like the hat on at that yeah. festival. That,
1: <laughs> that could be the case.
0: Um, you can see that um the injured one, Largo, is using a crutch. And I got some banter. about you keep poking me with that. I'll pull your toe hairs out at night. Um, Oh, I'll cut my own ears off to not listen to your snoring. No, I don't snore. Yes, you do. You know, a nice family bickering there. And they travel through hill and marshland. And they sing this beautiful wandering song, which does not appear in any of Tolkien's works, but it it feels like something Hobbits could sing. And I'm sure... Well, I actually hope that becomes available for download to...
1: Yeah, I hope so too. That'd be, that'd be interesting.
0: And it, they show the different locations along a map, and some of the locations, like, I can tell that they're probably in, like... Anduin and Misty Mountains foothills, but some of the map names don't look familiar to me, so I think they were made up to add details to the map for the show. Oh, come on, pup. Don't eat that tissue. tissue. Pardon the little warg again. Yeah, she's
1: eating tissue and she's she's gonna protest when we take it away from Oh, yeah. bad puppy here's the rest of it
0: uh, um, you could see them struggling with the cart sometimes and it doesn't always have the same camouflage on it yeah I've wondered they're always on about the path don't leave the path They seem to know where they're going, but they don't have any discernible, like, visible path. I understand it was a metaphor, but yeah, we don't know exactly. They took their cart into a marsh. You would think, unless there's something a lot worse, they were trying to. Unless there was something a lot worse that they were trying to avoid by going through the marsh that's what I thought I thought maybe they were trying to
1: avoid like orcs or something because
0: yeah taking your cart into a swamp marsh sorry I should be the biology person and say yes definitely a marsh not a swamp Uh, that's a marsh take your cart in there to bog in the mud when you could go around I mean, at least Frodo, Sam, and Smeagol you know, definitely had a reason to want to avoid being seen, and maybe it's like that, you know, when they did the dead marshes. That's oh, hilarious. and you can actually see an abandoned, broken cart, as if some hub- hobbits had uh, been, quote-unquote, left behind there, or at least had to abandon their transport.
1: Yeah, who knows, or they could have been attacked by something there. Like, that. that's... That could have been
0: the case, so. And they even show, and I'm not sure where this is meant to be. It looks like they actually come out into a ocean tidal flat kind of thing. Now I haven't. Oh, when we were discussing the Lord of the Rings prologue, the actual books, and the recently. released episode of podcast we talked about how hobbits actually have a fear of the sea to the point where they associate it with death. Yeah, I'm not sure they had developed this fear yet but
1: but they do and and it's interesting because there would still be hobbits that will go f- fishing in lakes and all that but uh, there yeah. is, well as we know there's what happens to a. Uh, that was Frodo's parents? Right Frodo's remember? parents. Yeah. That was in an in the ocean, of course. But
0: Although I sort of have... Oh. Have you heard the theory that... Well, there's a certain sneaky water-dwelling creature with a hatred of the name of Baggins.
1: Yeah. And that's... That's something that we've
0: Of course, boats are tricksy enough without... Uh, Any talk of pushing or pulling, uh, pardon my quote, Ah, my semi-accurate quote, anyway, since we went on a bit of a tangent, there's a flashback to when the meteor man landed and the the fiery stuff around him, but then it shows the empty crater, and then a bunch of... Like, evil-looking priestess types are examining the crater site and the footprints that are leading from the place. So that's... Interesting. That's interesting.
1: We're still... We're having a better idea of who we think this guy is now, but...
0: Oh... Yeah, one of the priestesses is actually the... Um... Have you seen... I don't know if you've seen the memes where... um, It shows, like, a angry, emo-looking blonde figure with short hair. And due to the angle of the picture and the outfit that's being worn... um, The appearance is kind of androgynous. And the various jokes, oh, it's, it's Eminem, it's the real Slim Sauron... Yeah, that was apparently... Well, that's one of them. Yeah. And...
1: to be fair, I did not notice that. I mean, I did not know that at first. And, you know, we only had that one screenshot to go by, so...
0: Now, I did see some article saying that this character is actually some kind of, like, a priestess servant of Sauron. Now, I can't vouch for the accuracy of the article because would they drop a spoiler that big? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're still playing around with who's the real Sauron here Uh, and I've said that I think that they're going to make the genuine reveal at the end of the season because and like string the audience along with, oh, well, this character did something suspicious and we don't know their real name. But what about this character? Orcs are calling them father. Or what about this guy? No one knows who he really is, and here he is smithing. uh I think they are playing that game.
1: Yeah, I think it's possible they're playing that game.
0: And, um, speaking of the one that orcs were calling father, um, the screen changes to Adar with orcs, and... Um, they're, like, out in the woods with, like, the sun shining through the trees, and Adar makes an orc show him his arm, and it looks all burned, and he's, like, it feels like fire. And Adar's being all weird, like, oh, I wish you could feel a- what I feel in this... And,
1: and this is sunlight on an orc. This is sunlight on an orc's which arm. That's one of those things. Okay, orcs don't like the sun, but they don't. But like
0: it it's they more like yeah, eyes. it hurts their eyes. It makes them feel really uncomfortable. They're not vampires. Yeah, they're
1: not. They they can they can and do fight in the sunlight. They just hate they, it. They, they hate it. They're just forced to do it because of Sauron. So I don't know if they're trying to do some sort of thing where uh, orcs are. uh different somehow, or if these are they're arguing that orcs were different before Sauron came along?
0: It's almost making it look like those kind of scale pattern (laughs) robes that the orcs are wearing are some kind of shroud against getting sun, literal sunburn and that's a change from book canon, but... Yeah. And yeah, Adar goes on about, oh, the sun the sun will be gone, and then that part of him that knows its warmth will be gone as well. Summon the legion. So that was just weird. And continues to feel like something Sauron might say.
1: Yeah, and a lot of this scene Like, this guy does seem like Sauron. Um... However, we can't say for sure for a number of reasons, including what happens in this episode, which we're...
0: Yes. Um, now back to the refugees, the... (laughs) The refugees in the tower from... (laughs) Um, when the orcs were raiding the human village... And Iran Deer is there too. And. Yeah, they're talking about how they were told to surrender to. are in exchange for mercy, and who will stand and fight. Bronwyn is trying to recruit, you know, people who. ...will fight back instead of surrender or run away, I guess, or... Wait. Yeah, so... And even if the... And make that tower, like, a symbol of their courage instead of their um, failing.
1: Yeah, so we have them train with Galadriel. That's not yet. That's not yet, okay.
0: That's next Galadriel's off in Numenor still.
1: Oh, that's right, because she has to call, talk to the Queen again.
0: Yeah, so, actually, most people in the tower do raise their hand, but Waldreg, the kind of creepy guy from before, Mm. is saying that they should surrender and hope for mercy. And he tries to get Theo to go with him. And he goes on this whole tangent
1: on how it's, like, somehow more noble to bow your head and... As long as you're surviving, I guess, is what he's saying. Um... But he advocates for that. He advocates for, basically, any he's powerful...
0: And I still don't know what's going on with him.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. Don't
0: because, know. remember, like, last episode, he sounded possessed. He was talking in that, you know, saronic voice, like, well, when they're reading off the... People,
1: and that's why other people were thinking he, it might be him, but it is hard to say. I mean... We don't know well,
0: about. I am certain that while Shrek himself is not Sauron but Sauron yeah. might be working some kind of yeah, magic to him. He might be controlling him through something. Because why would Sauron want to surrender to Sauron? Yeah. Uh, um, back to Numenor. They're talking about some kind of plans to sail west which confuses me because... they weren't talking about that before in the show I mean yes I explained how in the Silmarillion that was like their one forbidden thing is like don't sail west and go to Valinor it's not for it's not for humans but they didn't seem to have any plot about that and they did speak of sailing east to Middle Earth to fight against Sauron so why are they talking about west at all Yeah, we, we don't know exactly. And Isildur wants to go and be on the front lines of... I still think this is the fight against Sauron, but I was kind of confused.
1: I was too, but I, I mean, I thought... I assumed it was against the fight against Sauron, and I guess we're going to find out whether or not that's the case or whether there's something extra to this.
0: Well, Isildur has, as you know, gotten himself in trouble already with some stuff. And he's getting like, why you want this now? You had a chance to be a contributing to Numenoy in society. You're, You're not in the guard. You're not with the... You're not with any of the guilds. You're not with the stable horse... Riding... Guild, whatever. Just... And he's like, oh, but I can prove myself now. Like, you had your chance. Um, There's some kind of thing that Iyarian wants Kemen to convince his father of. And uh, his father's not going to listen. Well, then speak to him louder. Oh... Now is the time I'm going to say some fan has given Kemon's haircut its own Twitter account. Wait, really? Yes, I and I guess account. I'm plugging some stranger on Twitter to but get a bunch more funny. followers, but yes, go check out Kemen's haircut on Twitter. It's like, oh, I'm presenting my haircut to Iarian here. Uh, yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Halbrand is seen... Forging a sword. So it looks like he got what he wanted. And in on his blacksmithing guild stuff. Anyway. And he doesn't want to. Leave Numenor. And isn't happy that. Galadriel had. Spoken I guess for him. On this matter. Like. Galadriel should have only speaking for herself. Not him as his. Thing and. Yeah and yeah yeah he thinks that she's you know using him and she then
1: says well you, how do we know you're not using me because I'm this really powerful elf ally who's really high ranking uh, and we're he's, raising
0: an army to fight for your people and put the crown on your, your head.
1: head well but that causes him to get upset and, he and says, he's like yeah,
0: maybe put the crown on someone else and he rips the sigil necklace yeah, off he,
1: he he wants he wants out. And, to be fair, I kind
0: of would get
1: how that would be. be Like, okay, I don't really want uh, that sort of attention. And I don't want to be the center of it. Um, But I also understand, like, you know, it's like... If you want to take back your
0: homeland,
1: I mean, that's, that's a whole different thing as well, so...
0: And any duty to surviving people that might still be looking to him as some sort of leader... Um, Back to the Harfoots, and they're traveling through the forest and sure enough they've camouflaged their carts in a completely different way with mosses and stuff. Yeah. And they find worg tracks. And yeah, the nature nitpicky person in me says those tracks look vaguely canine but not right. But we've already gone on about how worgs are made into something different. Yeah, and we see Ward soon. the woods l- look more barren than usual according to the harfords they're not getting enough food and the kind of busybody hobbit lady malva um is blaming the stranger for the yeah. barrenness of the woods as if oh yeah he caused it. It would make more sense if they're like, oh this uh this giant's eating our food. Yeah, but they And blame if he him is Gandalf, then Gandalf has quite an appetite in the actual books. He's like, oh yeah, I yeah, ate a whole be, loaf of bread and that'd be understandable. But no, they weren't superstitious with it.
1: And yeah, I think that uh I think that's a very interesting thing that they just happen to blame Uh, Him And also, uh, what is it they talk about leaving them behind? Now, Sarah brings up a very good point when we were discussing while watching this. And I think that it was basically that, um, would hobbits actually really do that? Like, would they leave somebody? Is that really an in-character thing to do?
0: And I don't think so. I mean, yes, the Shire has its Sackville Bagginses and its Ted Sandymans. But I wouldn't expect somebody like that to actually have enough, I guess, traction with leaders or the rest of the group to actually get somebody get thrown out.
1: I would say, to be fair, the leader really doesn't seem like he wants to... What's the leader's name again? Sadok? Sadok, yeah, he doesn't really... He really doesn't seem like he actually wants to do that
0: at all. I mean, mean, yes. The only... It seems like it's
1: borderline unthinkable, but also (laughs) we know that, uh...
0: The only thing remotely like that that I see anywhere in Lord of the Rings is Gollum being semi-driven out, and Gollum, I mean, Smeagol, that seems, that's extreme, you know, he, he, he's sneaking around making trouble. He's correctly suspected of murdering somebody. It's not like, oh, this hobbit broke his ankle and it's slowing us down and they brought a stranger. That's weird. Let's take the wheels off the cart and leave them to die. And even even Smagol wasn't driven out, driven out. It's just like people started trusting him less and he's like, yeah, I'm going to move on and go into this dark cave. Actually, even the murder of Deagle being pinned on Smeagol was more of a movie canon thing. Yeah,
1: we just know that he...
0: We know sure he did he it, did. but...
1: Yeah. The fact that he was it was known he was blamed.
0: But yeah, Melva is straight up being like, Well, why don't we just take the wheels off of the cart of the... Um, the Brandyfoots caravan and just leave them here in these woods that don't have enough food and have predator tracks in them. Yeah. Because somehow this stranger is making the food and disappear by superstitious means. Uh,
1: Yeah, we don't know. We don't know where they're getting that from, but they are.
0: A uh, hobbit is seen uh, picking what looks like chicken of the woods mushrooms off of a tree. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to give a positive mushroom ID to the internet at large. I think
1: they were trying to make it that,
0: but, but that's what it looked like. Yeah. So that's saying a lot of good food for them. And I'm um, like, internet mushroom ID. That's that's a liability. But hey. <laughs> yeah. And as this is happening Wargs attack and The wargs that
1: look like Intelodonts, which by the way are prehistoric Pigs I don't know if we mentioned
0: that Oh you did
1: These these look like that
0: Never let Bill lose an opportunity to go Paleontology on you or dinosaurs Or uh, Megafauna But yeah it's not the same warg as the one That was fighting In the orc camp had a totally different snout shape and teeth structure and everything.
1: So what happens is that then uh, the stranger protects them.
0: Yeah, he actually is like hitting the wargs with magic blasts and they hit the dirt and think better of what they're doing and run off. You know, they don't find easier prey. And afterward, the stranger's arm looks like burned. And that's different.
1: Yeah, we don't know what's going on with
0: that. Now I'm continuing to say this comes across as more something Gandalf or maybe Radagast would do than anybody on Sauron's side, and I don't think... An incarnation of Sauron is going to feel so bad that he accidentally killed some bugs. I,
1: I I don't think he'd do that either. I also think that, you know, you could argue that... If this is Gandalf, or at least a good character... You could argue that this character... Um... You could argue that this character um, may have accidentally done that. I mean, and he seems to be regretting it. It seems to have been an accident. So.
0: I probably shouldn't go off subject, but. I still think that. I think that the depiction in every live action movie adaptation of any Tolkien thing I've ever seen in most and making the works as kind of just like dumb hungry monsters
1: Oh well this is on topic going on about words Yeah, you said that you didn't like the way they just make their intelligence,
0: basically? In The Hobbit, I got the impression that wargs were nearly sapient, if not full sapient. They just only spoke wolf. And the movies just make them as these dumb, hungry orc steeds. And in the book, it's more like Mm -hmm. wargs have their own alliance with the orcs to their own advantage that yeah, gets them more prey and gets the orcs an extra weapon. Yeah. I also definitely consider their book depiction to be large evil wolves as opposed to Entelodonts, hyena all these other things other than an actual wolf. I like
1: prehistoric
0: yeah, and, um, Orgs. and I don't know I exactly so what cool. changes on them being twisted by Sauron would do. I mean, orcs don't exactly look like elves anymore, do they? No, uh, I don't. So. So, pardon my warg tangent. And back to Numenor. Galadriel is training the young Numenorean warriors. Yeah. And as if one of them actually gets a hit on her, he will be promoted to lieutenant. Yeah, this
1: is what, this is where we, I was beginning to talk about. So the they uh, she spars with all these younger elves. Not elves. They're not,
0: oh, they're all humans?
1: They're all human. Oh, okay. For some reason I thought they were elves. That's why I was like. She's
0: the only elf there.
1: Okay. I thought they were like that's what I missed about that. Okay. So they're humans. So they're they have even less advantage. Uh. Yeah. Uh, so you get these young uh, who are like, you know, I think they're supposed to be in their late tweens. going by the way they describe it. So, uh, they do that and, uh, they, they they try to land a hit on Galadriel. Uh, eventually, one of them does. Uh, and that's after he gets, like, you know, mock-killed by her, like, eight times or something like that. Like, because he kept trying to get the better of her. She kept uh, getting the better of him instead. And, uh, you know, putting her <coughs> sword to his... Neck or something, you know, just indicating that you know that would be, that would be a kill, and eventually, and like through not giving up and through struggling, he scrapes her with his, uh his blade, like
0: on her arm. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, you're, you left. Congratulations, now. Lieutenant." Yeah, and
1: they accept that, but it is kind of a funny thing because none of them. Have to I, I'm
0: not sure there. the boy's name, but. I think he was one of Isildur's friends that he was arguing with him before. Um, Kemen is encouraging his father, Ferrazon to exert his influence. And it looks like apparently Muriel is holding the real power, which, I, once again, I'm comparing this with the Silmarillion and getting confused. Because Muriel... Okay, Muriel in the Silmarillion is definitely married to Ferrazon by force and doesn't seem to have any real agency in anything. She was just something to lend some legitimacy to Ferrazon's rule because she was from the true ruling family. Yeah, in their... but if she's holding Pat, that could just be
1: like a rewrite of the...
0: Of the um... I'm not even sure they are married in the... In this one? Okay. I mean, I'm not certain anymore.
1: Well, maybe... Who knows? Maybe it's some sort of joint...
0: Maybe because they're cousins and they didn't want to look too much like the other popular show going on right now. Yeah, you, know, you never see Muriel referring to Farazon as... No, you never see uh, Muriel referring to Kemen as her son. So... Maybe, maybe he isn't, or maybe he's Feruzan's son from a previous marriage. I don't know, or yeah, could be.
1: That's one of those things I guess we'll either see or we won't.
0: And apparently, any like pro-Elven stuff that. Numenor is doing right now is stuff that Ferrazon by choice would rather die than do which suggests that he's not the one holding the real power and to throw more confusion to it she keeps getting called Queen Regent and to the best of my understanding a Queen Regent is somebody who's It doesn't have a queen who does not have a living husband, but has a son that's going to be on the throne when he's of age, but the queen regent rules until he's old enough. And it doesn't seem to be any kind of thing like that going on here. yeah uh, Ferrazon explains to Kamen that he he does want to have a king in middle Earth and he wants the king to be in his debt, so it sounds like he has his own advantages, reasons to have this army go to middle Earth to take back. The land from Sauron, because, but because he wants a king loyal to him in that land, as opposed to anything to do with helping the elves. Oh, and also the Muriel's father is shown not wanting Muriel to go to Middle Earth. I'm talking tar here. Um, because darkness awaits her if she goes. So that's... That's different.
1: Yeah, it is different. Why not?
0: Next, the stranger is seen soaking his burned-looking arm in water. And ice is forming just from his arm around his arm. And, oh, like Nori gets her hand in the way and she yeah, gets Nor- ice on it too. And- yeah,
1: Nor- well, Nori yeah nori tries to touch it her hand gets frozen onto his arm and eventually though like it like explodes is it there's
0: a like a flash of flame that looks a lot like what you saw in lord of the rings when somebody would touch the ring unwisely yeah and
1: then she went flying back
0: she went flying back i wasn't sure that the flash of flame was literal i think it Yeah, I
1: didn't even really... I wasn't sure if that was
0: flame or not.
1: It just looked like it was an ice explosion or something. I don't know. It was weird.
0: But it looked more like a symbolic thing, like when someone touched the ring. There was no actual flash of flame when someone touched the ring either. But yeah, the ice exploded off, and Noi got scared and ran away. council is seen happening between Durin and the elves and oh this is moving quickly from elves and Durin is like your elves are Where does your acquisition that stone table you're using because this is from a special underground stone that's really hard to yeah, get to yeah it's like this super sacred stone we only use for it graves. for sacred monuments and graves and stuff yeah. and um, the elves uh, politely apologetic and offer to return it to him. Yeah, he says I'll give it to you. So yeah, more on that later. And Elrond thinks that Gilgalad seeks alliance with the Dwarves with dishonest interest, which kinda t- true. which is kind of true, and. He has Elrond, um, tell, tell the story of the roots of, I am sorry, I definitely spelled this wrong, Ithilgar?
1: I guess, I don't know.
0: I'm pronouncing it wrong too, I,
1: well if you can't pronounce it or spell it right, I
0: probably can't either, that's. that's... So this is apparently an apocryphal song that Elrond doesn't think was likely really happened. There was a tree that had a Silmaril encased inside of it. And battle on the peak of Misty Mountains between an elf with the the purity of Manway and the Balrog of Morgoth and... How they fight over this tree and the elf is filling it with light and the balrog's filling it with fiery hate and lightning hits the tree and goes down to the roots deep into the mountains and this lightning hitting the magically illuminated silmaril encasing tree forms the mithril and put the light of the silmaril into it now this, this is playing pretty fast and loose with canon here.
1: Yeah, that's not in canon at all. And that's one of those things they just, I guess, made up for the show. It's
0: not like... And the not, real canon purist types are going to be mad. But it's not like
1: canon and it says that's not what happened.
0: It just <laughs> Well, the, the, just the locations of it. the Silmarils are like, yeah, this one's in the sky. Well, this one was true. tossed very, into the sea. This one went into specific. a fiery chasm. None of the Silmarils were encased in a tree, that's... Gil-Galad thinks the Doom of the Elves is coming and that they're fading. As a Tolkien fan, I feel like I should understand fading better up and reading these books long enough. But it's like, oh, elves can die in battle, or they can fade. And I I don't fully understand what fading is. I took the fade to mean, like, when they get depressed. like. uh... Well, does it mean, like, they lose their magic, or does it mean they straight-up die, or... Yeah, but we know that they can die of
1: depression. I figured it was like that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. Again, as
0: Sarah said, it's not very clear. And there's a number of things that aren't clear in this. And... It's not especially clear in the actual books, and I'm probably got. If I have enough listeners, I probably have some angry Tolkien fan be like, "No, it is clear. You, how can you not understand this?" And if you got a good, uh, understandable explanation of this, feel yeah, free to message knows. us. And yeah, he thinks that. He sent away war by sending away Galadriel. So clearly he thinks Galadriel's keeping the war going. Yeah, well,
1: that has been discussed a few times. How a few people are like, alright, it's over. We can't find Sauron anywhere. Let's just leave it at that. And Galadriel's like, no, he's out there.
0: And. He's
1: very obsessed with hunting,
0: you know? Did the dwarves find the ore? Elrond took an oath and isn't going to tell whether the dwarves found it or not. Mm-hmm. And he said if they all. But, you know, Gilgalad is like if the elves abandon Middle earth to sail west, you know, to avoid fading, darkness will march over Middle earth and destroy all. Yep. That basically the elves are. What's holding back the darkness from destroying everything else, also? Yeah. And Elrond should reconsider this oath, you know, for you know the greater good, so to speak. So that's what's happening with them. Yeah. Back to the Numenoreans, they're singing. I think it's their anthem or something. I didn't properly catch the words.
1: I. It sounded like some kind of anthem, so that's what I assume it was. I don't know what the new Motenorian anthem is.
0: And Isildur, this is weird, he's trying to get his friend to take him with. He, I think this was the guy who got promoted to lieutenant. And like, oh, I'll even let you hit me for free. And he gets a kind of a. I don't think a really meaning it slap and he seems genuinely apologetic that he can't bring him but I'm like, I can't bring you. And so he stows away on one of the boats and then this is weird Kemen has gotten onto the boat and he's cutting holes in Barrels of oil, and he has a lantern with him because it it really seems like he's about to pull a Fianor and uh, burn some ships. Yeah. So he catches Isildur stowing away, and Isildur catches Cameron with a lantern and looking very (laughs) suspicious. And why you brought that for? And the lantern ends up being chopped and hitting the oil, so whether they meant to burn it or not. It still does it, it still does it, so. Ships burning as a. Fianor would be proud. Yeah, he would. The two boys get away safely, but you know, a few ships are destroyed. Andy Silder was actually the one who saved Kemen from the fire. Oh yeah, that's right. The royal. The royals think that a brigand caused it. So Kemen didn't own up to bringing a lantern. Nope. Or, opening oil barrels. And a meeting will still be held about when they will sail and. Halbrand must attend, it said pointedly. Um back to Gilgalad, he wants the Mithril to saturate elves in light of in the light of the Valar to save them because the Mithril has the light of the Silmaril and the Silmaril has the light of the trees of Valinor and Once again none of this is canon, all of this is purely made up for the show. And Elrond is just sad to be put in this position. You know, to possibly break his oath to his friend or... Not be... Helpful to the alleged danger the elves are in. Yeah, and
1: that puts him in a really difficult position with that. And he... He points out though he points out to his uh superior who what's his superior... what's the Gilgalad. Gil He points to Gilgalad that uh he would be breaking an oath and like with elves that's a really big deal. And like, it's a
0: big deal to dwarves too. It's a
1: big deal to both and it's a big deal like if if you like break an oath to a friend, um
0: that's the height of dishonor. It's yeah, and
1: it's like the idea is that your commanding officer should not be asking you to do that, even though that's not realistic. That's the whole Tolkien ideal thing. So that's part of the ideals that were put forward for these races.
0: And uh, Kilabrimbor is talking about how Elrond's father, Arondel the Mariner. Went sailing to implore the gods, I mean the Valar, to fight on his behalf, you know, against Morgoth. I guess, uh, trying to. Tell Owen that there's a greater thing that he sh- should do. And Elwing didn't want Erendil to go, but he still did because he's the only one who would. Um, next on Numenor, Galadriel is trying to get Halbrand to help. And he's talked about some stuff that he did in the past to survive that he seems ashamed about. I think this involved bowing to Adar.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Or somebody like
0: that. I think it's something of that nature, yeah. And Colladriel says that sometimes to reach the light you must touch the darkness. To which Halbrand is like, what do you know of darkness? And she talks about her brother's death from servants of Sauron. Now, as I already said in the first episode, he died in a werewolf attack, which, yes, werewolves serve that Sauron. That would have
1: been a Sauron-related thing anyway, but they make it different, and they make it
0: a Oh, I, I still think uh, they showed his remains after he did not look like he lost a battle yeah, with a werewolf. Did look,
1: he did not look like he was ambushed by a werewolf. There's probably be a lot less of them, I think.
0: But her brother died from the servants of Sauron, and she ca- she can't stop fighting anymore. Though it sounds like she's stuck herself in fighting, is what. Well. Now, to be fair, Sauron is an actual existing threat to Middle Earth that the elves are kind of ignoring. So, so yes, she's. Uh, trapped in a personal revenge thing. But also, like, someone's gotta fight Sauron. Well, anyway, she says that the elves act, tried to exile her because they could no longer distinguish her from the evil that she was fighting.
1: Which is... Sorry, that's kind of uh nonsense, in my opinion. Because, yeah, she's obsessed.
0: Oh, it looks combative. like that whole congratulations, you get to sail to the west thing was actually an attempt to just Different. get rid of her, well, yes.
1: Oh, it's getting rid of her in a peaceful way. But yeah, that's, uh, that seems to be the case.
0: And she gives him back his necklace with the sigil on it. Yeah. Um, back in the Southlands, Waldrag is approaching the orc camp where... Adar is running things to pledge his service to Sauron. Which he does, and he says, You are Sauron, are you not? And this is where it gets interesting. Yeah, this is
1: why I say maybe he's not. is just because he gets really Yeah, angry. he
0: just throws Waldrag to the ground and seems to be choking him.
1: Yeah, and then he mm-hmm. makes him kill... Uh, uh,
0: he never straight up says he isn't Sauron, but he... He makes him
1: kill uh, a younger... Friend of his, I
0: guess. Yeah, he throws thaw- he throws him a knife, and he's holding the boy Rowan. Um, oh, it was Rowan. Okay, what was his name? All
1: right.
0: For Waldreg to sacrifice his only blood can bind, and Rowan is seen pleading as Waldreg stares at him, and the screen just changes. So I don't know if Waldreg killed him or not. Maybe he didn't, or maybe he did, and they just didn't want to show a human sacrifice in full detail on screen.
1: Yeah, probably not.
0: So, maybe he's not Sauron. Or maybe he is Sauron, but doesn't want the real name spoken so openly, loudly like that. Yeah,
1: I... Now, I'm leaning towards the latter. Like, he doesn't want to be revealed like that. Or he, if you invoke his name, you're invoking him, and therefore... I'm Adar,
0: call me Daddy. Yeah, like, oh, don't call me Sauron
1: anymore. Yeah, we were joking about that. Like, he's just saying, like, yeah, no, I'm Adar now. I'm I'm Father, I'm Daddy, you don't call me Sauron anymore. But no, he's probably... There's every chance in the world he doesn't want to be exposed that way right now. If that is Sauron. But then again, it might not be Sauron. It might be a corrupted elf, which is possible. Um, it's possible, it's not Sauron.
0: Um, back at the tower where the human refugees are, Irondir is teaching Theo archery. And is talking about how his mother taught him courage for like a couple hundred years, and, yeah, and Theo's talking about how the elves watched over humans, and um, half of them left, but half of them stayed, and he's like, there's something you don't know, and he shows his uh, evil-looking sword hilt that he's been carrying around. And Ironda's like I've seen this before And he shows this creepy looking Old statue that kind of looks like Someone being sacrificed Just this like figure with a Long sword and below it Like some victim But I don't know Don't know what The statue is but nothing good So he shows this statue and talk about how it was enemy crafted to enslave your ancestors and Ironda thinks that the enemy is particularly interested in Theo mm-hmm. now to be fair Theo just found it I don't think the enemy would be that interested in him if he hadn't found it right I don't know what's going on there
1: yeah, I
0: don't know either. It's, uh... And Bronwyn briefly considers surrendering and bowing out of desperation. And Erandir stops her and she says, You were right to watch us. We were destined to darkness. That's all we were or ever will be. And when they march against us, this tower will fall. And then orcs are seen marching and chanting on their way to yeah that's
1: that's the last scene with that you, you cuts to that they're they're going like they're doing the whole thing where they have like torches and they're marching in a uh a very long line almost serpentine formation, and they're probably it's probably meant to be that way on purpose for imagery and... the elves are
0: seen. Um, Back in Linden, the elves are seen returning the sacred stone slab. And Durin admits that he made that up because he wanted a new table for... He wanted a new table. Well, his wife wanted a
1: new table. For his wife, yeah.
0: And Elrond says he was not truthful that he came to Durin that he came for ambition, not friendship. Which... You know, I don't know if I buy it. I mean, yes, he obviously wanted an alliance, but... Yeah. He says that he didn't know it at the time, but he came from Mythwell And no, he didn't know about the Mythwell. He wanted an alliance, and yeah, the alliance was to the Elves' advantage, but he wasn't there to be like, yeah, I'm going to spy out your Mythwell and take it. How could he have? He didn't know it was there.
1: he couldn't have known but it's weird they we seem to suspect things
0: and he explains the elves immortal souls diminishing if they don't sail or get the mithril I think I ha- I have seen something online that was comparing elves, that was saying elves diminishing was like basically fading to like spirit form. But until I see that actually in print from Tolkien, I'm still. well Anyway, he's explaining that the elves' immortal souls will diminish unless they get the mithril, and the fate of all elf kind is in Durin's hands. And Duran seems to kind of like that. He's like, say that again. How about you say that for me again? (laughs) See, it it sounds like Durin appreciates elves being fully dependent on... Yeah,
1: he likes... Well, he liked that. He liked the way that sounded. He likes the idea of
0: being important, especially to elves, even though he's not fond of elves. But that's how that works. Um, Tell Dissa the table is for me... And Durin seems agreeable about the mythful. M- Muriel summons Halbrand, and Halbrand joins the Numenorians parading in full style, he's on a horse and all that. And a Silder. Is in on it? He's in the cavalry, and he's to report to the holdmaster. And ships are sailing. Everyone is in full armor because why? Why not be in full armor on a ship? Why not, indeed? Yeah, right. The, well, uh, if you fall over, you're gonna go straight to the bottom.
1: Yeah, and even elves can't uh, breathe underwater or swim with armor.
0: Not right? even galadriel. So, yeah. East for Middle Earth. And the end credits uh, have a song. I think it's the same song as the Hobbits' wandering song. Yeah. And I did not catch what role he had in it, but Simon Tolkien was involved. Oh, yeah. So I should know this. I'm like the grandson, right?
1: I think so. I don't.
0: I don't remember. So yeah. It's
1: Here, I'll look it up. What's yeah? Up?
0: Simon oh. Tolkien. How is he related to J.R.R. Right. Hold on. Simon
1: Tolkien.
0: And he's wrote some stuff of his own. None of it's like fantasy genre. Yeah, it's its own thing.
1: He's the grandson and the eldest son of Christopher Tolkien.
0: There you go. I wonder if Roy Tolkien is going to show up in any of this. I don't know. Oh, he. Roy Tolkien ended up in the Hobbit movies, and he also ended up as an extra in uh, Game of Thrones. As one of the wildlings. Uh, look at. Like, one of the groups of just, like, random hairy wildlings. That's him. Uh, so I don't know if he'll be in this too, but Simon is. In mean, some. In some role. And I guess that's all I got to say about this episode. You have any more comment?
1: Well, I am. I feel like there's a lot of questions, and I'm hoping that they actually do answer some soon. I know you think that they're not going to do a lot of reveals, including the Sarn reveal, until the very end, and leave us guessing, but I hope they give us a little something.
0: I think that. There are gonna be some fans really mad about the Mithril and Silmaril divergences from canon. I mean, I'm not mad. I'm like, that's not canon. But at this point, I already see the show as semi fan fiction. But yeah, people who don't like canon divergences, they're gonna hate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh. So. Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens next. And we have also started going over the actual book, Fellowship of the Ring. It's not going to be very fast, but um, the prologue is out. It's already out on our podcast. So, the Fellowship of the Ring prologue, revisited. Go check it out. We talk about hobbits. We talk about pipeweed. We talk about the history of the Shire... Um, we talk about the various um, proto-Hobbits, the Harfoots, and the stores and the hides, So, yeah, go and check that out. And thank you for listening to Cast It Into The Fire podcast.
1: Good night.
0: Good day. <laughs>